Achievement unlocked. Two players and a podcast now loading. Back dreamers and flam family. This is two peas in a pod brought to you by General Andrews and Liberty Flam. And we are sponsored by the 8 Bit Dojo and ESN, where we aim to be selfless, not selfish. We are also joined by our special guest, Dr. Mick. This is episode 38 of season four. Words are powerful. Hey, 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 Flippity Flam, my man. General Andrews, my dude, it's good to hear from you. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. Well, I'm actually not just doing good. I'm doing like really really good because we've got ourselves a guest here once again can we say hello to the dr mick what's up centurions (laughs) centurions yes charging in i I quit now this is that's my line of centurions (laughs) it's good to be here fellas and we were just talking about this before the episode started. Since we've gone to this specific format where y'all are going to hear us in the audio, uh, we really like the flow of these episodes. They're not too long, most of the time. Uh, and <laughs> where it's been since we rebooted the entire series of two players in a podcast, this is episode 100 tonight. So thank you so much, Dr. Mick, for Ooh. making number 100. It's, it's going to be a, a real banger, I think. Yeah, I kept, uh, just so everybody knows, I, I kept saying no to you guys constantly over the past few months because I was waiting to say yes when I knew that I would be on episode number 100. We, were, we talked about this extensively for about 100 minutes before the podcast, and uh, it's just everything's coming up. Coming up, Jen and Flib right now, and and Doctor Mick to boot. So yeah, I mean, this was totally not by design at at all, not at all by design that I'm here on the hundredth. No, congratulations, fellas. You guys have been rocking the podcast. This was totally coincidental. I'm honored to be here for the hundred uh, for the hundred anniversary. anniversary of the first show. podcast. Right. Uh, I'm uh, no, I am Very honored to be happy here, fellas. Half birthday to you. Yes, indeed. Um, it's uh, I, I always love coming on this podcast with you guys, and I enjoy our conversations, and I'm honored that you'd bring me back for number five. Yeah, number five, which now you've taken the slight leap for now. Don't worry. Love you, Steph. <laughs> We've got Steph on tab. It's just a matter of days and times and schedules, you know. What the heck? What are adults' lives like, you know? She's uh, the 101st Dalmatian. Yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Yes. <laughs> they made the movie about her, so I'm yes. sure she's going to knock it out of the park like she always does. <laughs> no, that's typical. Yeah, typical Steph is going to be definitely a, a home run hitter. Indeed. All right. As much as we can keep flattering each other and, you know, flattering other people that we think uh, fondly of, uh, let's go ahead and jump into a little bit of tonight's discussion because usually we have Dr. Mick here because yet that Flippity Flam and myself will talk about uh, issues maybe dealing with uh, mental perspectives of things. We know we're not the professional that should be talking about in in in-depth or telling people what to do versus sharing our opinions sharing just our perspective on something Uh and so i think it's really cool when we're able to deep dive with dr mick on some of these things because 
tonight's topic for those about somehow you just skip through you're like i just want to start listening to this thing i don't need to hear the beginning it's words are powerful which came from a snippet of your stream that was then extrapolated into short form on different uh forms of social media which caught my eye on instagram reels was the power of the word can't and can you go ahead and paint this picture a little bit better for us because obviously you were the one who actually was doing the talking I can. Would you like to? Would you like me to speak to the word "can't," or would you like me to give the overarching perspective of the power of language? Which direction would you like me to go on that one? Oh, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure mental health edition stuff. <laughs> I was starting with games, boys. Yeah, that's right. Look at you. Look, you're so strong. Uh, let's go ahead and go with "can't" to begin with, because that's where it came from, and then we'll, we'll see why words are powerful out of this explanation. Sure. We'll see if that keeps going that direction can do uh so i something that has really come to my attention over the years as a therapist but also in observing some of the ways that people speak in like my personal life as well is think of how often people say the word can't when they don't actually mean they can't uh, it is a word that has really captured my attention because of how often I hear it as a explanation, excuse, or reason that a person is choosing not to do something. Uh, it's a it can't is a very disempowering word, and it's also one that defers accountability. There are real scenarios where people cannot do something when we're talking about things like physical limitations, disability, acumen for a particular skill or whatnot. Like, I can't throw a baseball 150 miles an hour. That is true. But when we use the word can't instead of I'm choosing not to or I won't, we are actually taking away from our own self-empowerment. And the reason that something like that is powerful is because if you use language like that in that particular way, you can inadvertently disempower yourself over time. And the only window that we have into the brain of another person and into their self and their convictions and whatnot is language. And so a lot of the work that I do as a therapist deals with concepts, sure, but also with language and the way that people frame their ideas, the way that they frame their environment, their context, the things that happen to them. And sometimes when words get misused, whether by choice or whether by just, whoops, I didn't realize I'm doing that, it can have a very profound effect on people's sense of what they can or cannot control, what they are or are not accountable for, stuff like that. So. Whenever I hear people use the word can't in place of I won't, I always make a mental note of it. And there are times as a therapist where I actually will call that out, so to speak, gently and suggest that perhaps we need to use language that's more in line with what's actually happening process wise in a person's relationships or in the way that they're interfacing with the environment, et cetera. So when it comes down to like you were describing with the word can't, right, and how it's uh, it was deferring responsibility or excuse me accountability mm -hmm. and does that stringency of the word and the uh feeling that's attached to it is that simply because of what we understand the definition to be and therefore that's how we get boxed in by these things if we do use them in these manners i 
actually don't think so. And I, I can, I understand why you're asking that question, but I'm, I will dissect this a little bit okay. more to hopefully make sense of this. So uh, I'm going to use an example of, let's use a hypothetical example of you and Flib asking me about joining the podcast. Let's say that you wanted me to join the podcast tonight. And I say to you, I can't, I can't join the podcast tonight. That may or may not be true, right? Like if I am, and it, it actually is more likely to not be true than it is to be true. If I am trapped in the cellar of a, I don't know why I would be, but if I'm trapped in a cellar somewhere being held hostage, then truly I cannot join your podcast because I, the circumstances do not allow for it, right? If I lose power in my apartment, I cannot join your podcast because I do not have the materials necessary in order to join your podcast. But if I had a date with my wife or if I had a hockey game or if I simply didn't want to join your podcast because perhaps maybe the last four times I was on your podcast was not as enjoyable as I let on at the beginning of this one and I tell you that I can't it sends the wrong message the definition of cannot is essentially like the circumstances legitimately dictate that it is not possible for me to engage with whatever it is that I'm saying I cannot engage with but the reality is, even if I had a hockey game tonight at the time that you and I and Flib, the three of us are doing this podcast, I could still do the podcast. I could decide not to go to my hockey game and instead stay home and join the podcast. It is not actually locked in that I have to go to the hockey game. Right. So when I say mm -hmm. that I can't do that, I'm deferring the accountability for that decision to circumstance and outside factors that actually aren't where the accountability lies. The fact of the matter is I would be better off saying to you, I'm not going to do the podcast with you on Thursday because I have a hockey game that I have chosen to commit to instead. You can hear a difference in the way that that I say that, right? Like yeah. that, yeah. There, there's a huge difference in that. Well, what a lot of people do is they, they try to avoid the anxiety that comes along with that because there's a worry that if I tell you that I'm choosing not to be on your podcast tonight, even if it's for a reason that you both would deem to be legitimate, there is an anxiety about what it would mean if that was disappointing to you or if you didn't like that or if it was not palatable. Perhaps our relationship gets affected by that because, Flip, you and Jen have a conversation. You go, well, geez, like that's really crappy of Dr. Mick to choose yeah. to go to a hockey game instead yeah. of right like that really sucks and we're not sure that we want to ask him to be on the podcast again that could be a conversation that you would have now knowing the two of you I'm sure it would be like okay well we'll just find a different day that he can potentially <laughs> do it right but yeah. like but there's but I'm opening yeah. myself up to the chance that that is how you would conceptualize that decision. And ultimately, the onus of that decision is on me because I have indicated it to you that it is on me. But what that also does is it tells you that the reason I'm not doing it is because of a choice, and it allows you to perhaps be curious with me about what would the circumstances need to be that you would choose to be on the podcast some night, either this week or this month, in which case I might tell you we just have to find a day where I have availability.
right? Or if I am in a position where I do not want to join your podcast anymore, it's my responsibility to say to you, guys, I actually don't want to be on the podcast. This doesn't have anything to do with whether I can or can't. It comes down to the fact that our relationship has reached a point where maybe there were some dynamics that went down outside or within the podcast where I simply just don't want to devote the time to being on the podcast anymore. Or maybe I'm so busy that it's difficult for me to make that choice. But if I stay... It's a, it's a way, 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 way richer conversation, though. Mm-hmm. It, it is. is one that has there's more there's more content. There's more respect. There is more acknowledgement of the nature of our relationship. There is just a breadth of directions that we can take that conversation and conceptualize what's going on with me being on the podcast. In contrast, if I want to avoid all of that, because I'm sure there are people listening to this podcast that are like, oh, my God, I would never want to deal with all that. (laughs) In contrast, if I say to you, I can't be on the podcast, the message that that sends to you is that there are circumstances that are preventing me. But if those circumstances did not exist, I would because it is possible for me to do it. So it sends the wrong message. So what are you going to do? The same thing that anybody else does when people say, I can't do it. They say, well, when can you? Ah, yes. Yes. <laughs> right? Because the yes. assumption is that the only reason I'm not on your podcast is because I've told you that I cannot which that could be circumstance, that could be ability, that could be all the things that we talked about, right? Like I literally mm-hmm. can't because I don't have power in my apartment for the next week. So you would say to yourself, well, when you have power, then my assumption is that you could. So let's figure it out. But if my actual reason is that I do not want to devote the time to being on your podcast or I've got beef with the two of you, I'm not speaking to that. Right. (laughs) So we are now on the wrong foot together. We are misunderstanding each other in a profound way because I don't want to take accountability for a choice that I'm making. We see this all the time. In the dating world, we see this in family relationships when people want to set boundaries. Using the word can't to set a boundary is only actually useful and meaningful when you are in a situation where it actually is true that you cannot. And you would be amazed at how far people are willing to push it to try to convince you that they can't when the reality is they absolutely can't. Like people will create all sorts of stories and narratives. They build it up about like, you know, okay, so you're like, let's use this example. So you're fan, because this is going to be coming up for a lot of people is the holidays are upon mm-hmm. us. And perhaps a person uh, like you're like, oh, well, um, I, uh, I can't come to Thanksgiving this year because uh, I just I just can't uh, because I uh, Right. Like, and people sometimes don't want to go beyond that because the reality yeah. is it's not because they can't. Right. right. Like I yeah. could fly to wherever I need to go or I could drive or I could FaceTime or whatever. Right. So now you're you're if you're, I'm a therapist in that situation, I'm saying, well, you, you actually could. You're just not taking accountability for this choice. And it would actually be more empowering for you to take this choice. And then what happens is people say, no, I can't because or I can't. Sorry, sorry. I can't say no to the holidays is the one that I hear all the time. I can't say no to going, even though I don't want to go home for Thanksgiving. You say, well, yes, you could. And a person says, no, I can't. Because if I say no, then my mom's going to get pissed. If I say no, then it's going to make it awkward for everybody else. If I say no, well, then people are going to ask me a bunch of questions that I don't want to do it. So I just, I can't say no, because otherwise it's going to be worse. And again, that's not true. You could say no. 
you could actually say, I do not want to come home for Thanksgiving this year. You could set a boundary that perhaps is in the spirit of your positive mental health experience, but you are choosing not to do it for manufactured reasons that are perfectly legitimate, mm -hmm. right? Like it's, it's okay for you to anticipate what a person's reaction is going to be. It's okay to acknowledge the anxiety and the frustration around how people in your family may react to you if you say no. But ultimately, if you defer to the sense that you can't say no, you are disempowering yourself in a way that you do not need to disempower yourself. That's the power of that language. And so it's the narratives we build around these things that it just it creates this web of awfulness when people are really just trying to avoid the fear of what's going to happen if they actually take accountability for it. What would it be like for you to engage with the idea that you could indeed set this boundary, that you could say this certain thing to somebody, that you could make the effort to clean your room, that you could try to find a person who could mentor you on how to cook if that's something you want to do. People hide behind the word can't way too often. And again, when that's the reality, cool. When it's not the reality, you are diverting away from something that would be very important to attend to so that you can feel an increased sense of control and empowerment in your life. I just went on a bunch of different branches and I hope that all made sense. It's a kind of a complicated topic, but I watch people spin their wheels all the time into can'ts and they get squirrely when you suggest that they can because they have to confront the anxiety associated with all the other things that come along with it, albeit useful things to have to navigate and push against. Oh, that was awesome. Absolutely awesome. So I think that also kind of started to answer a little bit because you were able to kind of tangent enough into kind of how words are powerful based off the narrative wrapped around them. Mm -hmm. if, I, if I was following correctly Correct. along that path. Yes. Okay. Uh, so what I would want to do now is obviously can't's not the only word, at least I assume not, that would be of such a powerful position uh, if misused or maybe misunderstood or again it's being put in place of what would be better for your actual uh, mental health and well-being what are some other words that are powerful or do you feel that that's it can't is the most powerful and it goes down from there can you kind of take us on a journey i would say can't is one of the more common ones but i think it's important to make a distinction about how this isn't necessarily about specific words. This is about the way in which words are used. It's about the process of language, I think more so than it is the language itself. The, the words matter, and I'm gonna give you an example here of another word that I see commonly. But the, the real deep aspect of this is the power of words is how, when, and where we use them. Uh, because that is what's going to paint the picture. Again, remember, words are the window to the mind. It's the only way that we get an understanding of how people perceive their environment. An example that I'm going to give you is the word burdensome. And in order to really illustrate the power of that word and what I've seen over my years in particular as a therapist, but also just as an observer of humans and their language, is I have to talk a little bit about the concept of projection and i'm gonna get it's a very complicated uh very complicated concept it is one that people sort of use colloquially but it's not used properly because i would never expect lay people to really understand uh projection in its deep form but i'm gonna give a simple way of illustrating this projection is essentially when we have a certain perception 
of ourselves in this case for simplicity's sake. And because we have that perception and we don't necessarily know what the perception of other people is of us, we assume that people share that perception. And so then what we do is we orient ourselves relationally to people as if they have that assumption. And I'm going to illustrate that with the word burdensome. There are people that learn in their lives, whether through direct feedback or through passive feedback that they read in various relationships, that their presence or their way of showing up in relationships is annoying or a lot of work or is burdensome to the people around them. You will often see this with the way that parents handle some of the issues they have with their kids and then kids internalize it and go, well, my parents must be mad at me or they must not attend to me or they must be neglecting me because I'm a burden to them. I'm too much work. So they carry this into adulthood. But what happens is you start to believe that you yourself are burdensome. And then what you do is you believe that other people see you as burdensome. So what do you do? You overcompensate for that. But you're not overcompensating with reality. You're overcompensating for a constructed narrative via language, via the word burdensome, you're compensating for something which is actually stripping the autonomy away from the people around you and can actually become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So here's how this works. I go, I'm going to use, uh, Jen, I'm going to use me and you as an example. You and I had the pleasure of meeting at TwitchCon recently, and it was wonderful. Yes, I agree. And, but, okay, so uh, people listening to this may not know this, but I actually was uh, lucky enough to be offered to stay with General Andrews and the wonderful 8-bit group that was there. Uh, and I am very, very grateful for that because you bailed me out big time. But you were willing to allow me to stay overnight for two nights in the Airbnb that we were at. Hell yeah. Okay, so... If I am a person that generally conceptualizes myself as burdensome, again, the word, right? The, the word itself, the powerful word. If I conceptualize myself as burdensome and I believe that you and everybody else in that Airbnb is put off by the fact that I am joining, that it is a that I am an immense burden to you by showing up at that Airbnb. I have decided how you feel and think about that on your behalf instead of actually paying attention to the hard data. And so what might happen when I get to the Airbnb is I may start behaving in a way to try to overcompensate for that sense of burdensomeness. Perhaps I put my stuff next to the tiny little love seat that was in the bedroom that I ended up using. And I say, and I try to make myself scarce. And I say, oh, I, I don't want to I don't want to impose on what all of you were already planning to do. I, I brought my own food. Uh, I'll sleep on the little love seat. Uh, you know, I, I apologize profusely constantly while I'm there. And that it, it, that is something that would get annoying for people because you start you are probably sitting there. I'm guessing based on just how you interacted with me while we were there, you were like. No, dude, you're more than welcome. We'd love to have you. Like, you were nothing but welcoming to me, right? But if I, I go with you, no, you, I mean, you absolutely were. And I felt that. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking hypothetically about this burdensome piece here. But, like, if I go in there with that, I am negating all of that. I'm not listening to the feedback that you've given me. I'm not respecting the fact that you offered. I didn't, I didn't 
go to you and beg and plead and hold a gun to your head and say, I'm staying at your Airbnb, whether you like it or not. Like, I didn't do that. I told you that I was having a hard time figuring out where to stay. And you said, hey, man, we happen to have an extra spot. Would you like to join us? That is an autonomous decision. You didn't have to do that. And if I was considered to be burdensome to you, as far as you knew to that point in our relationship, you wouldn't have offered, right? If I was a big giant pain in your ass and you didn't want to hang out with me and you thought, and you're like, oh my God, we had him on the podcast and he just doesn't shut up and I can't stand the guy's ideas and he's so problematic and he, the way that he shows up in my stream is awful and he's been banned from my discord. You're not inviting me. That's correct. But you, but you chose to do that. So there's already hard data that suggests that that's not true. But if I go in there and I assume that I'm a burden, I'm going to start interacting in a way that is going to frustrate you because you don't get to access your autonomy in how you feel and think about me. Because if you are like sitting there going, man, I'm really glad Dr. Mick's here. This is so cool that we get to have him here. Dr. Mick make your you know feel free to take that top bunk we made that room for you we're we're we've got some food we got to go run and get some too late for everybody else later on today and uh, that's for that's a different story and uh we, we we love that you're here and i go no 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 man no i'll i'll sleep i'll sleep on the love seat i i, I don't want to impose i'm i'm so sorry you know i, I i'm going to i'm just going to hang out over here i, I don't i don't want to ruin the vibes i've ruined the vibes <laughs> when I do that, right? If I'm sitting there sulking in the corner or I'm hanging out in the other room, everybody there's gonna be like, dude, what is he what is he doing? Like, what is up with Dr. Mick? Like, why why is he put why is he this is so weird. We invited this guy over here and he's like made himself scarce and it's kind of weird that he's not getting to know us very well and like he's in that other room. It's not like he's over at the convention center. He's chilling in the other room and we made this food and he won't eat it, so now we gotta throw it away. Right, like I'm creating all sorts of complications. And then what happens is my worry that I'm burdensome to you is coming true, not because I'm actually burdensome, but because I am overcompensating for the burdensomeness in a way that is off-putting to everybody. So then I get to say to myself, I told you so, Ryan. I told you so. I, I knew that this was going to be a disaster. I knew that this was going to be awkward. I knew that I was imposing on them. They're leaving, they're leaving me alone because they, don't, they, because they don't actually know how to handle me, not because I'm a burden. But now I'm perceiving it as a burden, and it's this whole self-fulfilling prophecy. So now that word gains more power in my life. Now that word is something that I take into other contexts. Perhaps I go to TwitchCon, and I don't approach people I want to approach because I wouldn't want to ruin their day by saying hello to them. Maybe I don't go and promote my stream to a certain brand because, oh, well, I, I wouldn't want to burden that brand with having to listen to my elevator pitch. And now I'm making decisions that are actively against my own well-being because I am assuming that everybody else in the world thinks I'm a burden without that actually being the case, with no data to actually support it other than my own confirmation bias. That's what makes language so powerful for people because you get so consumed by projections and assumptions and narratives that you either learned or that you borrowed or that you've developed yourself. And all of that is conceptualized via language. I can't communicate all of that concept to you guys without language. So there's even power in the way that I'm articulating myself right now, because if I did a really terrible job articulating myself, this podcast would go off the rails immensely because you and you guys would be sitting here going like, dude, I have no idea what Dr. Mick's talking about right now, and I don't know how to handle this because the language is just not working. We can't underestimate the power of language and the process of it. And so words like can't, burdensome, those are the two that really just, they, they, they fire me up because I see 
so many awful relationship ramifications as the result of attaching too deeply to those words. Uh, that was awesome. That was really well put because as you were articulating all of that for the word burdensome and just putting all these different scenarios that are very relatable. Like, mm -hmm. I know I've been in a situation, and thankfully it was not you. If everyone was thinking that that's what's actually happening here, that you were like, <laughs> we had a great time about you, but like somehow third personed it. Uh, <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, i've been in a in a situation like that because i'm i'm someone who's definitely more of like a protector role where i'm thinking hey yeah come on you know come on hang out with us over here you know uh and where that would happen and it'd be like oh no what what is going on with them where i, I could feel that the way you described mm -hmm. it all I, I could feel that so that was that was excellent to not just obviously do that with the word camp but also the word burdensome as well I'll, I I'll, I've heard people say that about the word, like I've heard people say, oh, I'm such a burden on my, you know, my family. That's mm -hmm. like the number one thing. Number one thing mm -hmm. I always hear is, is I'm a burden on my family. I'm just like, oh man, that's heavy. And the reality is you might be right. Like there, yeah. there is, there is potential, but, but burdensomeness in and of itself is a perceptive judgment. So what one person deems to be burdensome is different than what another deems to be burdensome. And just because perhaps your family has decided that you are burdensome to them, that doesn't mean that you are a burdensome person. Right. It means that perhaps you are more than what your family has decided that they are able to handle, or perhaps there's more complexity to that. It's a hard thing to talk about without specifics, yeah, but like, yeah, absolutely. Right. But like there may be truth to that. But then what we do is we make this jump into other contexts. We take these words and we apply them to unrelated contexts where they can actually be a problem. Right. Like just because I'm a burden to my family doesn't mean I'm a burden to you. Right. Just because my this is not true. Just because my father That's believes I'm a burden doesn't mean that my wife believes I'm a burden. Right. So when we personalize things, which, again, happens through language, we create various labels and identities for ourselves via language that starts to color the way that we show up in different contexts. We bias ourselves into certain roles or whatnot to riff a little bit off of what you just said, Jen, like another one that comes to mind for me is the word caretaker. Um, where people Ooh. will sort of assign this role to themselves as a caretaker and will lose a sense of self or perhaps will attach their sense of self and purpose to the well-being of others and believe yeah. that they are only they are only good and useful and meaningful if the people around them are doing well. Well, what does that inherently do? It puts an immense amount of pressure on the people around you to be okay. And that when people are not okay, and then you engage that caretaker role and you overcompensate and you try to fix everything for people rather than just listen to their struggles or perhaps even allow them to struggle, you actually lose intimacy with people as a result of that because you are more engaged with your role as caretaker rather than the needs of the people in the environment that you're in. And that gets people into big trouble too. So we have to be mindful about words as they relate to various identities that we take on. Not to say it's bad to be a caretaker. There is a place for caretaking. Absolutely. I, I love being taken care of. I also love taking care of people. I would hope so. I'm a therapist, right? 
But if I over-engage with that, rather than paying attention to the context that I'm in, again, what you do through words at times is you strip the autonomy away from other people to be able to operate based on their needs and their words and their language. And now I'm making your well-being something that's trying to reinforce my anxiety about how good of a caregiver I am rather than actually attending to your needs. Because sometimes people might say something like, I actually don't need assistance right now. I just need to sit in how awful this is and figure it out myself. And that is perfectly okay, right? That is a person articulating what they need and a caretaker at that point actually does well to listen to that and to back off. If you over-engage with that word, you may not actually do that. You may see that as a person being resistant to help or whatever. Mm. And that creates a whole bunch of problems, right? Because now we're misfiring on our perceptions. So when people get very myopic about certain words, when they hang their hat on certain words, when they use words to dodge certain things, like the word can't, for example, that is going to affect by definition the way that people perceive their environment and then behave within it because our behaviors are often in response to the way that we perceive the environment that we're in i talk into this microphone because i perceive and understand what a microphone is as we have conceptualized it so my behavior is to speak into the microphone i'm not standing on the other side of the room speaking at the wall speaking at the microphone so our behaviors are often in response to our perceptions and to the words that we use think of the difference between how i react in the airbnb if i go in there as burden or go in there as autonomously invited guest it makes an it makes a huge difference absolutely and not that everyone is perceptive enough to pick up on that, but I would like to feel, you know, that most people would be in a situation where they're picking up on the energy that the other person is exuding. Mm-hmm. Even if that yeah, oh, we, we all do that. Being scarce, you know? Yes. We all do that. I mean, that is just, that's part of what it is to have senses. Like, that's literally the, literally the reason the human body has smell, taste, vision, feel, all that stuff is so that we can interface with our environment. So, yeah, you're always going to be paying attention to that stuff. And other humans in the environment is something that is going to drive more language. I mean, the complexity of this is off the charts because you have your own learned experience and language that you're bringing into a context I have mine, the three of us. So I'm saying words right now and a lot of them, and there are two of you listening to it. And then there are other people who eventually are going to be listening to this podcast. When I said the word burdensome or even actually even easier, when I said that can't is often used as an excuse to not say won't, I guarantee you there are people listening to the podcast that got angry about that. Or frustrated with me for saying that. There are other people that might listen to that and go, oh, hell yeah, that was that is spot on, Dr. Mick. And there could be anywhere in between. And the reality is it's because there are certain, to use the theme of the day, there are certain words that are more prominent to various people that are listening to me talk that affect the way that they hear what I'm saying. That is why... I mean, really, communication is such a fascinating thing because you can you can send one message and have it received entirely differently. You could be engaging with one thing and other people are engaging with something else. And so it's kind of a wonder that any of us are able to get on the same page ever at all, given the fact that nobody has the exact same lived experience and perceptions as another person. 
absolutely fascinating. No, it, it's it's so great that you the what you just said right there to finish that off where you could say something. I, I don't know how often I've gotten to say something to somebody and I'm so happy and I'm just I'm actually even happier waiting for the excitement of their excitement to be just blown through the roof on what I just gave them in this news. And then they're <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and, and, you know, yep. all the air is being let out of the balloon. It's like, uh-oh, what? Um, okay, how do how, now how do i go about this because you were you know you were so gung-ho about like they're gonna they're gonna love this they're gonna love it and then it's like wait what oh mm -hmm. okay oh, okay mm -hmm. oh, this is more than okay dollars for this this is more than oh you know whatever <laughs> you know sign me that uh-huh and so yeah i'm glad that you put it that way because it, it i definitely related to that uh feeling uh or those uh situations i could be in for sure i mean it's the I have really come to appreciate how powerful language is later on in my life. I, I never really appreciated it much before I became a therapist. I mean, I, I appreciate language. I appreciate what language can move people to do. And I have always appreciated how different ways of saying the same thing can influence people in different ways. But it, one of the unique aspects of being human is that our brain is developed to a point where it can create these abstract symbols and concepts and we have developed a way to articulate these things that is far more sophisticated than any other animal that exists at least as far as we know mm -hmm. and really i mean when you really get down to it what we're doing is we're we're using one sense let's say vision in this case and Right now, I am staring at a pint glass on my desk. And the two of you, I'm guessing, have seen a pint glass before. So you know, in general, what that might be like for me to be looking at. But the cool thing is, it's an abstract symbol. Like, it's just a noise that I make that when I say glass, that's just noise that my vocal cord makes. But the human brain has synthesized that, if you understand English, into having some sort of abstract figure. But the cool thing is, I know what the pint glass looks like on my desk. You guys don't. So what does your brain do? It creates what your abstract sense of a pint glass is, using borrowing from a pint glass perhaps you've seen. I'm sure probably both of you involuntarily pictured some pint glass mm -hmm. on a desk. That looks like something you've seen before, but it's not actually what's on my desk. Yet somehow we understand each other because we've developed noises that allow us to be on the same page of understanding. Like, I mean, this stuff just like it gets so abstract and cool to think about, but also sometimes kind of overwhelming. Like that the, really the reality is right now everybody understands us because I'm making the right noises with my vocal cords and your brain has had the right amount of learned experience and ability to symbolize what's going on in the world because you've been told what things are and because you've learned what they are that you understand what I'm saying and you understand the grammatical structure of what I'm saying. Meanwhile, if there's a person listening to this who doesn't speak English, they have no idea what I'm saying right now, even Absolutely. though they are perfectly capable of understanding it based on the symbols that I am actually saying through language. But because the noise isn't right, they can't hear it. I know I'm kind of getting off in left field here, but like communication and words themselves are unbelievably fascinating because you could have people that have the same word and they see it differently and define it differently based on their experience and that's going to color their interactions and in the way that they orient themselves to an engagement and it's just what i love so much about being a therapist is i get to learn a little bit about what that's like for people 
in a way that I would never otherwise get to learn about. And that's when people ask, why am I a therapist? I usually answer by saying, I love being a therapist because I get to learn other aspects of what it is to be human that I wouldn't otherwise get access to. And I get to put puzzles together and see people succeed and accomplish their goals. Well, that part of that is learning people's language and learning people's perceptions and the meaning they make out of things. And what words do they pay more attention to than others? When I say a sentence, is there a word that they pick out that maybe I didn't mean to emphasize or vice versa? So, it, I mean, it's all just a, it all is this big coagulation of complexity that I think is really amazing to to engage with and ponder and critically think about. I'm glad you brought up the, uh, you know, engage with and ponder and the complexity. So one thing that I always liked um, just about language and English language for me, because that's, you know, what I grew up as and what I know the most. Uh, I try to learn some other languages and you know what? At least I know something about them, but I'm no, <laughs> no linguist by any means. Uh, but uh -huh. one thing I've always been big on is finding other words that replace the same exact word I would use otherwise. Uh, not all of them are perfect fits because obviously they're going to be a little more uh, scenario based or, you know, the way that you structure sentences. But one thing about that is constantly choosing different words. Well, so, I mean, some words that could easily be said in a five letter word, right? Mm -hmm. Now has been extended to like a 15 or 20 letter word just because that's another adjective uh, that you could use. Mm -hmm. Now, with that being said, you're thinking, okay, cool. I'm keeping my, my language fresh so people do not get bored of me. This is me. This is me talking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't get bored of what I am saying. But for some people, it'll be interpreted as, oh, look at him showing off. He thinks he's smarter than us. Why can't he get, just get to the point and say the word that we need to hear? Uh-huh. And it's like, and you know, it's, that's not the intention. What's happening right now? Why is that going off the rails? This was to show that, like, I can keep it fresh. You know, I don't just say the same, you know, 10 words over and over again until you get bored. And yet, no, there it is. Within the same words, a different connotation that was never intended. And again, because words are so powerful and they, it's almost like hard to control them sometimes. So what I love about what you just illustrated is... Uh, the powerful word there to me is show off. And you have a, there's an orientation to the way that you show up to engagement that is in some ways built around the word show off because there's a, there's an aspect of how you want to show up where you're wanting to basically thesauricize yourself and, you know, use different words and engage in some novel uh, linguistics, right? But then there's this word that shows up that says show off. And what happens if people think I'm showing off? Does that mean that I need to curb what language I use up front? Perhaps I might need to use more simple language around people because I don't want to seem like I'm showing off with intellect or whatever it is that people would conceptualize along with the show off. And so now your behavior perhaps gets altered because show off is this strong word that you are averse to because, I don't know, maybe you learned something about being a show off and that that's not okay. And I'm not trying to psychoanalyze you right now. I'm using this as an example. You but can. like that's the powerful phrase within that. And one of the things that I like to do when we're when I'm trying to engage with people around language is find that right, like find that word within the conceptualization that you've oriented yourself around. And a lot of times people will orient themselves around a word that they don't actually actively think about themselves as orienting around that their behavior is actually tied to something that they're not consciously necessarily paying attention to. That like, perhaps I, I'm, oh my God, I'm orienting myself to the word show off, 
rather than to the word intellectual. Because if I was orienting myself to the word intellectual, I perhaps wouldn't experience any worry about using big words, as opposed to if I orient myself to show off, well, now I'm being careful, right? That's the power of the words that we choose to pay attention to is it orients us, us in a certain way, sometimes, sometimes consciously and intentionally, sometimes passively and without us realizing it. And the thing that can be scary is when certain words get added to the autopilot Rolodex, because then we're sort of acting unconsciously in the way that we're orienting ourselves. And we might have problems that show up as a result of that, but we're not intentionally thinking about that and we get lost and we can't figure it out. And then that becomes a whole thing. So I love that example you gave because it's a, it's a, it's a perfect way to sort of couch that concept and to illustrate that because it's often kind of hard to articulate that on my end. No, that, I'm glad you're, that's why I had no problem with you going off on it. Like, I was like, no, I wasn't worried about the, the psychoanalyzing. <laughs> I was like, no, I, I put it out there because I, I know I've experienced that or I've seen somebody else go through that scenario. Mm -hmm. And so I'm all like, oh, and since we're talking about this, I'm all like, the, the misunderstandings or the misusage potentially of a word or just how people act when they they're taking in a stimuli right because these are all stimuli that we're giving each other when we're doing this mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. it's like when you're hitting them with the stimuli how do they respond you're hoping it's going to go good but you tried everything to make it go good and it still didn't go good uh-oh <laughs> what do you and do your now? definition of good might be different from Flip's yes. definition of good, yes. which might be different from my definition of good, mm -hmm. which is, you know, all the more amazing with how all of this works. But I, I would encourage people that are listening to this podcast, if you is to ask yourself, what are the words that you bring to the fray? What, what are the words that when you're going through your day to day life and you're thinking about the the major instances of your day or your week or whatever, what are the words that you tend to bring with you? That is a that is a exercise that I myself have engaged in, but have also recommended folks that I work with engage with, because when you know what those words are and you're able to name them, you can actually disempower them or be more intentional with the way in which you orient yourself to them. So I, I really I encourage anybody who's listening to this to really think about that. Like, what are your words that you tend to default to? Uh, particularly in unknown situations, because you get a lot more information in unknown situations than you do known situations. But what are the words? Because it, it, you build a pretty powerful story around those words, and sometimes it's an, it's it's useful to you, and it facilitates something that's in line with your values, and sometimes it's counterintuitive and actually creates problems. And it's important, I think, for all of us to know those things. That was, oh, that was so well put. So with that being said, I want to transition us into going into our closing segment here. But but first, I want to use what we've already been talking about tonight. We talked a little bit about TwitchCon, right? We talked a little mm -hmm. bit about you, you, you staying with us and everything. But you also used the word burdensome. All mm -hmm. right. So I would appreciate because I can't tell the story because it's not my story. I was in and around the area. Yeah, but it's not my story. And so what I'm trying to allude to here is, can you tell us a story? Uh, because I know the dreamers want to know, and I couldn't do it justice. There is a potential burdensome situation or scenario that happened between you and our species. Is that correct? <laughs> would, you, would you like to extrapolate on this for everyone? Because I think oh, <laughs> it'd be God. a perfect way to end the episode. Oh, sense, so. it really would. It really would. Oh, my God. Okay. Um... All right, let me uh, let me build the context. I as soon as you started talking about, it, I knew where you were going to go with this, and I just have to let you know that, like, I I 
This is one of my favorite <laughs> stories that I'm never going to forget from Twitch. I love how, like, one of my favorite stories from TwitchCon didn't even happen at TwitchCon. It happened at the Airbnb. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so for a little bit of context for people that are listening to this that don't know, General Andrews was the only person I knew at the Airbnb. And the Airbnb was occupied by, what, I think seven people? Six or seven, yeah, something like that. You, yeah, it was seven. Yes, including me, it was seven. Okay, so I only knew General Andrews, so I was going into for what was for me a foreign environment, and I obviously knew that I was going to be with cool people because if General Andrews vouches for them, they're good people. So the first night that we're there, we're trying to figure out like, like you know, we we knew where we were going to be sleeping, but. I didn't really know who all was going to be like my bunk mate. And I was in the top bunk, which I love because I, I always loved sleeping in top bunk when I was a kid and when I was in college. So that was no problem at all. I was exhausted on Thursday because I had driven five and a half hours from Vegas. I had played golf. I then went to the convention center with General Andrews. We went to the partner party. <laughs> we then went. It was a long night. We then went to uh, we went and got drinks at a bar with Epic Dan, which was awesome. And then we realized that we didn't bring we didn't get food for the people that were at the Airbnb. So me and General Andrews had to go to the grocery store in downtown San Diego. We couldn't find the bread that we needed. Uh -huh. We got back. I can't. I, I don't even remember what time it was when we got back, but. It was it was pretty late. It was late. And it, I'm a night owl, but that was a long day for me. I had been awake since like 5 a.m. And I had had a rough night before. OK, so this is the context for this. So I don't know anybody besides General Andrews, and I barely had a chance to say to hello to anybody before we had gone to the convention center. So so I made a joke. Oh, because I was like, I need to go to bed. Yes, and yeah. I, I was like, I got to go yeah. to bed. Everybody else was still awake. It was pretty obvious that people were going to be awake for a while. And there was no way that I was going to be able to stay awake. I was shot, especially knowing that I needed to go, that I was going to have to wake up early uh, to go to the, the con the next morning. So um, so I'm like you guys and something that I always make sure people know when I'm with them, especially if I don't know them, is I have no problem with noise. You could scream your head off around me and I can still fall asleep. So I have absolutely no problem with noise. So I said to everybody like, hey, I'm going to go to bed, but don't change on my behalf. Like you can you can keep keep talking, keep laughing, be loud. I don't care. I'm going to be totally fine, but I'm going to go to bed. And then I made a joke about needing a nightlight. And I thought, based on reading the feedback of the room when I made the joke, that it was pretty well understood that it was a joke because there were like some giggles and like, OK, so to my understanding, I was like, cool, joke landed. So I go to bed and when I go into the room, I turn to the right and I turn off the lamp. And when I turned off the lamp, it became immediately apparent to me that like that is a pitch black room when there's no light in it like literally you couldn't see anything when you turn the light off i didn't know who my bunkmate was at the time but i knew that i had one so i turned the light on and my thought process when i turned the light on was i don't want this person who i'm with to walk into a room that they can't see anything in and then be in the awkward position of knowing that i'm asleep in the bunk and that they might wake me up if they turn the light on because if if I was in that position, I that would be a conundrum for me, because generally when you're with people you don't know and you're meeting for the first time, you like to be thoughtful and engage in some form of social decorum. So I'm like, I don't want to put this person in this position. I am generally not bothered by the nightlight. 
So I'm just going to leave the light on. I'm going to go to bed. So that way, whoever my bunkmate is, when they come in, they'll be able to see what they're doing. They can turn the light off. They can go to bed. All is hunky-dory, right? So I leave the light on. I fall asleep almost immediately because I'm exhausted. I My eyes sort of like open and I'm in a bit of a haze. And I know for a fact that it is like the middle of the night. I look at my phone, which is next to me, and my phone says it's like 3.15 a.m. or something like that. And the light's on. So I have two thoughts. First one is, uh, maybe everybody's still awake. My goodness, I didn't realize I'm with so many night owls. That's pretty impressive. Or, and then I hear somebody stir in the bunk below me. Or, my roommate needs the light on. Because my, my bunkmate came into the bed and didn't turn off the light. So I'm laying there and I'm like, I don't know who's below me but that person may actually need a nightlight. So then one of my thoughts in my like kind of half awakeness is like, oh God, am I an asshole for making a joke about a nightlight? And I'm like, no, people laughed. It was a good joke. And I'm like, well, hey, okay, no big deal. This person needs a light on. So then I say to myself, well, I'm not going to turn the light off because if that person needs a nightlight, I don't want to be the asshole that turns the nightlight off. So I go back to sleep. I wake up again at about 6 o'clock a.m. and the nightlight's still on. But at that point, some of the light's starting to come through the window. So I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. This person wants to have the light on. It's, it's no biggie. I, I, I don't have any issue with this. So I get up in the morning. I have to take people to go get their passes. And I see that it's, it's Aerospeechy is down below me. And I'm like, okay, cool. So it turns out <laughs> that when Aerospeechy came to bed, and saw me sleeping in the top bunk with the light on, he also wanted to be courteous to me <laughs> and thought that I needed a nightlight. He thought that perhaps I didn't, that maybe I actually meant I needed a nightlight, but maybe I was like ashamed of it. And so I made it a joke. <laughs> so he came into the room and he was like, oh, I guess I I'm going to leave the light on. Now, I left out a detail that I'm remembering now that I need to make sure people understand, which is going to make sense now, is when I got out of the bunk and turned and looked and saw who was in bed with me, I did not immediately understand that it was Aerospeechy because it was a man with two pillows held over his face snoring into the pillows as one would do when they can barely breathe because there's two pillows on top of their face. So what Aerospeechy did the night before is he goes, oh, well, I guess Dr. Mick actually does need a nightlight. I'm not going to turn it off and risk him waking up at 3 a.m. and freak out because there's not a nightlight while he's in the top bunk in a foreign Airbnb. So I'm going to bury myself under pillows and struggle to breathe all night to take care of him. <laughs> sweet <laughs> so literally the two of us neither of whom want a nightlight on are <laughs> sleeping with a nightlight because we didn't want to put off the other person we wanted to take care of the it's other so... person who we didn't know we're like if me and Aerospeechy had been like roommates in college and we're like really good friends we probably would have been like why did this asshole leave the nightlight on and i would have got out and turned it off right but because we don't know each other and because our relationship is not developed to that point we're both trying to like do the chicken dance with each other and we ended up sleep neither one of us slept well that night because the light was on and we didn't want to turn it off to hurt the other person and i found this out the, the next night when 
<laughs> we come home and Eris Peach, he's, he's cooking. And I'm like, hey, dude, I was just wondering, like, did you leave the nightlight on last night because you thought I needed it? And he's like, yeah, because you, you said something about it before you went to bed. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to, and I was like, oh my God, we totally misfired in the best of ways. And I just, I love everything about it because it's just the amount of thoughtfulness that ended up screwing us was nothing but hilarious. So we, we happily <laughs> slept with the light off the next night because it was understood that when I went to bed, because I did go to bed early the, the second night as well, it was known that when Aerospeechy came to bed, he could turn the light off. And so he slept much better the next night as a result. So I, that is, I love That's everything so about that story because <laughs> it was just the most ridiculous <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> I could not do that justice. For anyone that heard me try to <laughs> tell the story when I did a post TwitchCon stream, uh, obviously I could not get the depth, the feeling, the emotion, <laughs> the accuracy. That was yeah, because I oh, I forgot some really important details. Oh man, the pillow, the the yes, that hearing him so stir, good. and I, I I have that image is burned in my mind. It was. <laughs> it, it, I mean, I, I wish that people could see me because he literally, he was laying on his back. Aerospeech, if you're listening to this man, love you. Thank you for the thoughtfulness. I'm sorry I did that to you. He's laying on his back and he has both arms up. Um, think of it like if you were like, if you were holding like a curling bar and you pulled it up above your head. Okay, so like he's got, he's holding the pillows against his face with his like elbows and forearms and is like almost like he's grabbing the back of his head just smashing the pillows against his face to try to keep the light out and like he's understandably struggling to breathe and i'm like sitting there and i'm like oh, does this dude sleep like this oh my god no he oh my god he must not want to he didn't want the light on and my dumbass didn't communicate it well enough to him that i don't actually need the night like oh my god like i just ruined this guy's night of sleep and potentially he almost suffocated himself because he didn't want to hurt me by turning the light off like it was the most wild shit ever but i i just that that image is forever burned in my head of him just having the pillow smashed up against his face and knowing that that was my doing so thank yeah, you yeah man i appreciate that was, you uh, it was a great story beautiful <laughs> I don't know if it gets any better than that. I, oh, that, man. Oh, my gosh. That was so good. Thank you. But before we, though, completely move on out from tonight's episode, would you like to fill in the Dreamers and the family on anything you have coming up in the next month or so? Um, maybe something important, an event, anniversaries, anything of that nature that you would like to go ahead and share? A little, little platform time, soapbox it. Um, well, I know that uh, if y'all are not familiar, I... I I encourage people, if you want to ever catch me live, obviously watch my Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash Dr. Mick. But uh, I like to direct people over to the YouTube channel at this point as well, because my YouTube channel has just a plethora of let's play content where I analyze games and illustrate some of the psychological concepts that we're talking about right now using those video games. But I also have mental health specific content where i'm not like playing games i'm actually talking about things and one of the one of the versions of that that i have developed uh, in conjunction with jer on air who some of you may know is we do what are called mental health conversations and jared facilitates those conversations he basically we have the community ask questions in discord and jared moderates it and serves as like the membrane between 
the Discord community and me answering questions, and he will follow things up. He'll he'll ask me uh, to elaborate on certain things. It's really actually very enjoyable. We did three that are focused on relationships. We did one on parenting. And in the coming month, we are going to do another one. I do not yet know what the topic is going to be. We're actually going to float that out to the community, both on Twitter and on stream and in Discord. But I do know that we're going to have another one of those mental health conversations coming up here in the next month or so. So I encourage people to go to the YouTube channel and check out the other ones. I, I really think that you will enjoy them. My editor, Sean, Sean, Sean H., does a wonderful job breaking those up into every single questions that's asked in the info and description. So if you don't want to watch the whole video, you can go find any questions that are relevant to you. You click on the link, it'll take you directly to the timestamp. So that's for sure coming down the pipeline. I also, I generally like to do a stream on Thanksgiving because that's a holiday that is actually very hard for many people. And I like to facilitate the space on Thanksgiving to have people just kind of hang out and have a place to go that they feel safe and comfortable and reminds them that their boundaries are valid. And uh, those are really, I think, right now, the only events that I have coming up. But as always, I mean, I encourage people to Check me out, the live streams on Twitch, 9.30 p.m. Pacific time. YouTube is where all of my VODs and stored content are. You can check out all the playthroughs and stuff. Obviously, Twitter for random tidbits and Instagram and TikTok to window shop the channel where you get the little tidbits of little piece of gameplay, a little bit of analysis, which is actually where apparently General Andrews and Flimity Flam pulled the content for this podcast tonight mm -hmm. but i encourage you all to check those out um pod uh tiktok's been popping and i will also do a quick plug for the fact that i also do create music if you are a content creator and you've been looking for stream safe dmca free music to listen to in the background of your streams i do very chill guitar loops they are not invasive to your stream at all but uh, those are available. I actually have 14 hours worth of music available to stream on Spotify, Apple Music, or any other streaming service that you may use. You can also check those out at YouTube. And uh, actually, I guess we have 100. I'm almost hit 100,000 streams, and we're going to do a full guitar stream to celebrate that. So I guess Whoa. that's an event that's coming up as well. So uh, those are all the different ways that you can support uh, my channel. And I appreciate you giving me a chance to plug that absolutely no we, you give us great content every single time you come on here plus i appreciate your friendship and so no absolutely i appreciate both of you as well i, I really am honored that you keep inviting me back uh i do hope that the people who listen to this uh you know benefit in some way from the questions that you guys ask from the answers that i give and i, I hope maybe some I, I like to think sometimes that these uh, topics that you guys bring and allow me to riff on maybe give people language for stuff that they feel or they have some general sense of but can't find the words for i hope that this helps in some way uh people find that i hope so too and with that being said thank you so much for tuning on in dreamers 